Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and changemakers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, we're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. It's good to have you guys back this week. Today is a solo episode, but again, it is one of our Q&A episodes. So we are joined by Sarah Wilson of the West's marketing director, and she is going to put me in the hot seat and ask me all sorts of questions that we had you guys ask us a little while ago. So these questions, they've came from emails, from Instagram, from Facebook, questions that you guys want to know, whether it's about me, about Of the West, about business, entrepreneurship, leadership, anything and everything is on the table. But we have Sarah here today, and she is going to ask these questions, and I will give you guys my answers. One quick thing, though, before we get into that, and that is if you guys have not checked out the jobs on Of the West right now, stop what you're doing, pull the car over, hop off the treadmill, whatever it is, and go check them out. They are absolutely unreal. Some of the best jobs that we've maybe ever had. And that being said, if you are an employer, what are you waiting for? Make sure you get those jobs posted on Of the West. We have the best of the best when it comes to job seekers. Looking at the site, traffic has never been this high. It is only going to continue to grow. Get in while the getting's good. And also think about it this way. What happens if you don't post your job on Of the West and that perfect candidate finds a different job and goes with somebody else? You don't want to miss out on a good thing, on a good person, on the right step for your company. So if you have not yet posted a job on Of the West, I highly encourage you to do it. Yes, I'm biased, but the testimonials of job seekers and employers that we have gotten over the last few months have been a really good testament to the site, its success, and how it can benefit you, whether you are a job seeker or an employer. So that's my encouragement for the day. But Sarah, what do you say? Let's get into this. Let's do it. I love these episodes because it's like I get to interview the interviewer. So I love (laughs) getting to put Jesse in the hot seat. Um, When all of you out there submitted your questions. I went through and I kind of grouped them into different themes so that each one of these episodes, all the questions would be kind of around the same topic or theme. So today's are going to be about the one and only Jesse Jarvis. Oh, golly. Here we go. So let's get started. Our first question is from at Erica A. Williams, and she wants to know what your official roles as a ranch wife are. My official roles as a ranch wife. Okay, so I think that I am somebody, and I I want to first, let me take a step back. I don't want to generalize or stereotype anything. So if you're somebody who is going to be like offended by my statistic here, please don't. I'm just saying how things work for our operation. So I think our operation is very unique because 
I and my husband, Justin, we work with my family. And I think that for the majority of people, it's usually the husband's family operation that they're on. I think there's a smaller percentage of us where it is the wife's family operation. So because of that, my roles are a little bit different because my parents are obviously in charge. So I work very closely with my parents and with Justin, whereas if I had married into the business, there would probably be less room for me to be involved on that side of things. So when it comes to business decisions, that's something that we always do as a family. As far as large business decisions go, like daily business decisions, not as much. My dad is still really involved in those. You know, but anything big that's going to impact the future of our operation is something that we always sit down with as a family, the four of us, my parents, and then Justin and I. So I'm involved in those. As far as daily stuff goes, I'm a little bit more removed just because of the West takes up so much time. So we are a tech startup. There is a lot of daily tasks that need to be done, but I do still make time during our busy seasons, which are fall, spring, and then winter to be more involved in the daily side of our operation. So in the fall, when we're gathering and weaning and preg testing and doing all of those things, I typically take two or three days a week and I go help with all of that just because it's such a work-intensive time for us. In the winter, when we have our calves in the feedlot and we're backgrounding those, I usually go up, I would say once a day, usually in the afternoon after I pick up kids from school and daycare, We'll go to the feedlot and we'll feed as a family. But in the morning, I typically use that morning feeding time to get my work done here just because that's when I'm most productive. So in the afternoons, you'll always find us up in the feedlot, feeding, loading the tractor, doing all the things. The kids, they definitely don't want to miss out and neither do I. And then in the spring, when it comes to branding, spring turnout, anything of that nature, I'm usually pretty involved as well. I never skip a branding day for work. So I have really divided my time up as to when am I going to be most beneficial and most important on the ranch, and that always comes first. But then I do have things where I know that two days a week on Wednesdays and Thursdays, I record all podcasts. And so then the ranch knows, my parents and Justin know that if they want to schedule something that is highly important on a Wednesday and Thursday, whenever I'm going to be recording podcasts, that I'm not going to be available to come. That being said, though, there are a lot of things when it comes to ranching and farming that pop up unplanned. And so I do occasionally have to miss out on stuff like that. And it doesn't feel good. But at the end of the day, I know that the way that I have set my boundaries, whether that's between work and ranch and family, that 90% of things happen the way they should. And that 10% of stuff that I miss out on and that I feel guilty about I can't feel guilty about it because I was there for the 90%. This next question is someone who would like to be kept anonymous, but they want to know, how do you get your spouse on board with your big dreams and ambitions? And I'm really interested to hear your answer to this because my spouse is, he is the big dreamer and the he he's the risk taker and so i'm i'm interested to hear hear how you how you answer this oh man you know i feel like th- this is a tough question the first thing that i would say is if you want your spouse's support in something or your partner's support in something you have to go back to the basics and make sure that you are supporting them in what they want 
And this may not be the best analogy, but I'm going to use it anyway. So it's been about a year ago, Justin decided that we needed a new stock trailer. The one that we had, it was aluminum trailer and he bought it when he rodeoed quite a bit. But when it comes to pulling an aluminum trailer down dusty gravel ranch roads, they don't necessarily hold out the best. A steel trailer is much better. So he said, you know, while prices are good, I want to I want to buy a new steel trailer and I want to get rid of our aluminum trailer. And so he would look at trailers and he would he'd say, "Hey, Jesse, what do you think about this trailer?" And I would look at it and I'd say, "Oh, I don't like the back gates like that." Or, "Oh, I don't like a pipe trailer." Or, "Oh, I don't like this." Or, "Oh, I don't like that." And one day he said to me, "Well, why don't you go find a trailer? Because I am trying to solve a problem for us." And you're not necessarily being very helpful. I don't know what it is that you like. You're just telling me that you don't like these things. I'm genuinely asking for your help, but you're not necessarily being that helpful by just telling me all of the things that you don't like. So why don't you go find something that you do like, and then we'll look into buying that. And holy cow, was that a gut punch for me? Because in that moment, I realized he was so right. I wasn't being supportive. I was kind of being a little negative Nancy. I was nitpicking at these things that I didn't like the looks of, or I didn't like the functionality of it, which functionality is obviously far more important than looks. But at the end of the day, I needed to be a good supportive partner in what he was wanting to do. And I needed to be helpful. I needed to ask him, hey, what can I do to help? Is there another place that I could be looking for trailers? I should have asked him, why do you like this one? So that I would understand more of what he was looking for. So then I could maybe get on board with that or understand why that was important to him. But all of that to say that looking for a horse trailer moment was a very big learning experience for me just because it made me realize how important it was to be a supportive partner. Because if I want my partner support in something, I need to be supportive in what they want. So as far as that goes, I think that the first step that you need to do is make sure that you are being the type of partner that you want your partner to be. The next thing is, I think it's also really encouraging when they see you doing things that then encourage them to do the same. So if you are somebody who, if you want to go learn a new skill, go learn that new skill. Because if you want your partner to learn a new skill, if they see you getting out of your comfort zone and learning something new, that might encourage them to go do it too. Or if it's a skill that you think that both of you should be learning, then you make that first step. You take the initiative to do it yourself and then say, hey, do you want to come join me in this? I think this could be really beneficial for both of us. But I think that there is a little bit of handholding that needs to happen there because naturally, we don't want to make ourselves uncomfortable. We don't necessarily want to learn new things because there's that period of, man, I feel like an idiot or man, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's not necessarily fun. So it can be discouraging, but what can you do to be an encourager so that they can see you chasing your dreams, that they can see you thinking big or having that vision and then encouraging them to do the same? So being a supportive partner and then being somebody who is an encourager and who is leading by example, I think that those are two aspects that are going to get you a lot further in not only chasing your own dreams, but encouraging your partner to chase theirs. Oh, I love that answer. Being someone who is newly married, only a year and a half in, I think it's so easy when we totally don't see, you know, our partner's 
their outlook on something. They're so excited about something. And if we don't totally support it, it's easy for us to discount it and kind of be negative about it. And I, you say that, and I've caught myself, you know, if, if Colton, my husband has an idea or this big idea, big dream to do, and I don't necessarily see it as a good idea, I'm going to be really negative about that. And, oh, I just, I don't know, or that, and I think that that can really kind of, I don't know, hurt somebody a little bit too. So you think about their feelings and, and I, and I never want to make him feel like that. So that, that was a really good point to make. The other thing that I will say that's maybe not necessarily related to pushing your spouse or your partner into dreams, but is a really good foundation in your relationship. If you guys have not taken the test to find out what your love languages are, I highly encourage it. Now that sounds really corny, I know, but there are what is it, Sarah? You're going to have to help me with this. There's five of them, right? There's Mm -hmm. gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, physical touch. Yes. Is that right? Oh, I got them all. Oh, I feel really good right now. Okay. So there's those are the five love languages that primarily we all have one of those. And I can tell you from experience that the way we want to be loved is the way we love others. When in reality, that may not be the way your spouse or your partner feels loved. So, and Justin and I have taken this test, and to be quite honest, I don't remember the results, which is probably not the best, but I know that our results are opposite. And I can tell you that I am somebody who I love my partner, my spouse, the way I want to be loved, because that's how we naturally feel loved, right? So, if that's what makes us feel loved, that's how we're going to go love others. When in reality, I need to be focused on loving him the way he wants to be loved so that he feels that, and then that's going to create that strong relationship. So I highly encourage you guys, if you've not taken the five love languages assessment to go do that, I will make sure that we drop a link for that in the show notes. But I think that that is going to be a key step in just creating a stronger relationship because I bet that probably 65, 70% of us out there have been loving our partner in a way that they don't necessarily feel loved in. All right. Our next question is from at jrogers47. Have you ever had people discount your knowledge being a female in agriculture? Have I ever had people discount my knowledge being a female in agriculture? Probably so. And the reason that I have to say probably is because I am somebody who I'm young and it's oftentimes young people feel like their knowledge gets discredited, right? I am a woman. So that can play a factor too. And then I'm blonde. And while we all think that blondes have more fun, I definitely have had experiences where I think that people think I'm a blonde little idiot. And I would like to think that's not the case. But so if somebody's going to discredit my knowledge, can I blame it on being a woman? Uh, Maybe. Could I blame it on being young? Possibly. Could it be because I have blonde hair? Maybe. Right? But I've never had anybody tell me, well, you're just a girl in agriculture, so you don't know anything. But that being said, I've definitely had experiences where somebody older than me has tried to make me feel less than or that I don't necessarily know what's going on. And I think that it's really important in those situations to not get discouraged, right? Because I know who I am. I know that I have pretty good knowledge. I don't speak on topics that I don't have knowledge in because I don't want to be somebody who's talking without facts behind what they're saying. 
And at the end of the day, and as corny as this sounds, I know my truth, right? I know why I'm here. I know that I'm passionate. Those are things that you cannot take away from me. So whether somebody thinks that I am some young girl who knows nothing in agriculture, I don't let that bother me. I keep forging ahead. And I think that that's a really important component in that is when people are trying to discourage you, if you stop, you're letting them win. But it's when you continue to forge ahead to keep going, to not worry about what they think or what they say, that's when you hold all of the power. So if you are somebody who has ever felt discouraged, be it because you're young, because you are blonde maybe, because you're a woman, I know it's probably easier said than done, but don't worry about it. Because at the end of the day, I can also tell you that the population of females involved in agriculture is at the highest that it's ever been, and that is only continuing to rise. So at some point, I think that we are going to be even with the number of men in the industry. And honestly, like you just have to keep going. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what people think. Brush it off. That's why we have thick skin. I know it's not easy, but you've got to keep going. Don't let it discourage you. And I think something that happens more often than none too is maybe if they kind of discredited you at first for being a female, for being blonde or or whatever, as long as what you're saying is true and, and you have these facts and experience, I think more often times than none, they're going to say, okay, you know what? Maybe maybe I judged her wrong. She actually does know what she's talking about or she is you know, great for this industry or whatever it may be. So I think sometimes we have to give people the grace to kind of change change their outlooks too. Well, and two, I think that, you know, it's one thing if if somebody's not letting you have a seat at the table because you're a woman in agriculture, go build your own dang table. Like there is more than enough room for all of us, and I can tell you that if you are at the head of the table because you have built your own, you have done a lot more than a lot of other people in the industry and you are going to go a lot further because of that. The other thing I will say too, though, going back to what I mentioned earlier, and that is I do not speak on topics that I do not know. And I always try to back what I talk about up with fact. Opinions are things that you know can change based on the person, but facts are facts are facts. And those are definitely something that I feel a lot more confident in using when I know something. But I also think that in agriculture as a whole, It's very easy for us to think, well, I'm involved in agriculture, so I know everything about agriculture. In reality, we actually know very little about agriculture, right? I am pretty good on the cow-calf side of things because that is what I was raised in. But when it comes to the feedlot side of things or the processing side of things or you know, the supply chain, those are things that I am much less knowledgeable in just because that's not where my everyday experience comes from. So You will hear me talk a lot about our cow-calf operation and how it works, but as far as the other sectors of even the livestock industry, I always encourage people to go find somebody who's a professional in those areas because I always say I know enough to be dangerous, right? I don't necessarily know all of the details, and I want people to know that when I do say something, it's because I know what I'm talking about and not just because it's my opinion or what I've heard or otherwise. And I think that lesson is incredibly important, male or female. Absolutely. You know, and that's one thing that I will say about social media too, is I think that a lot of people, they want to be seen as an authority 
but maybe they don't necessarily have the authoritative knowledge. And I think that that's when things can kind of get a little bit dangerous. So if you are somebody who you love following people on social media, I'm obviously one of those, especially within our industry, go find the people in each sector of the industry who are true authorities and take it from them because they're the ones that have the knowledge. They have the facts. They've got it going on. All right. We are down to our last question that is Jesse Jarvis focused. And I'm glad that we saved this one for the last because at Re 15 wants to know, how do you escape from work at home and be present with your family? And I think this is a great question for you because of the West, we're a remote company. So we work from our homes and then also with your ranch. It's your home. So how do you do that? This is a difficult question, and you're so spot on, Sarah, in what you said. When you are a rancher or a farmer, I think that this is is very difficult because nine times out of 10, you live on your operation. So there is no separation between work and business, and especially when you're involved in a family business because whether you are in your home or outside of your home, you are with your family. So business never stops. But yeah, then with Of the West being a remote company. I do work from home. So I have my office in our home, on our ranch. I'm kind of destined for failure in that sense. But as far as how do I escape of the West things, I will shut my computer off around four o'clock. I go in and I get our kids from school and daycare and I do not turn my computer back on that evening unless absolutely necessary. And if it's absolutely necessary, it's after our kids go to bed. So I have the time from 4 to 8.30, 9 o'clock, where I am very present with my husband, with our kids. And that is a non-negotiable for me because I want my kids to see that I care and I want to watch them grow up. The reality is, is that it, it happens so, so fast. And I know it's so easy to get caught in the trap of, well, I just have one more thing or I just need to finish this up. But those are moments with your kids that you will not get back. So I always make a point to when I shut my computer off around four o'clock, I don't open it back up until after our kids go to bed. I try not to open it up all night. On a very rare occasion, I do, but I want to set a good example for my children in that. And on the weekends as well, I have gotten into a habit where I typically don't open my computer with the exception of Sunday nights where I try to kind of look at the week ahead. I look over my schedule. I figure out what's going on, what I need to be doing so that I don't wake up Monday morning, open my computer and think, holy cow, this week is coming hot and fast and I'm not prepared for it at all. So that little 45 minutes or hour of time on Sunday, that actually helps me be much more efficient and focused throughout the week. I feel better. I have less anxiety about what's going to happen over the week. So that is a really important amount of time for me so that I can plan the week ahead. But outside of that, I try not to open my computer on the weekends either. Now, as far as ranch and business goes, when it comes to cows, when the cows are out, we all know this, right? It it doesn't matter if you're eating dinner or if you're painting your nails, like <laughs> the cows come first. So when it comes to, to things like that, obviously cows always take precedence. But as far as business goes, Justin and I, we can typically tell when when the other has had their fill. And so we usually say, like, let's just not talk about business the rest of the night, or let's not talk about cows the rest of the night. Like, I need some time of I need some time away from this. I need some time to relax and get my mind off things. And we are very respectful when the other requests that because that is something that 
in being partners and in being a team, you're only as strong as the other person that's involved. And if that is your spouse, I think that it's very important to honor those wishes. If if Justin doesn't want to talk about cows after we've had dinner, then we're not going to talk about cows the rest of the night. Although I will say it's usually me saying, I've had a long day. I cannot focus on anything related to business, whether that's of the West or cows right now. Justin could talk about cows all the time. I don't think that that ever phases him. But I think that that is a really key piece in just establishing those boundaries, you know, whether that is on your agricultural operation or in business. Do you ever find it hard since you do work with your parents also? So say it's Christmas morning and the family's there hanging out, but mom and dad want to talk about ranch business. Do you do you ever deal with that? You know, I and again, I think that I'm probably an outlier in the sense that I think if you have a larger family operation with multiple siblings involved and parents, it's a lot harder to set that that boundary, if you will. But being an only child, I don't have other siblings who are talking about it, who then get my parents talking and we can't escape from it, right? If I'm not talking about it, then I'm the one end of the conversation. And so it doesn't happen as often. But I will say that sometimes... Yes, just because, you know, my parents live on our ranch and we live right next to our ranch and there's little separation there. But I will also say that my parents are absolutely fabulous when it comes to setting boundaries. They actually rarely come over to our house. We go to their house very often, but you will hardly ever see my parents coming over unannounced just because they know that our home is our, like, our personal space and that we work with them every day. And so they give us that space, which sometimes I actually get offended by that. I think like, gosh, I keep my house so clean. Why don't my parents ever come over? But they, like, we've never asked them to set that boundary. They have just set that themselves. And I am so appreciative that they recognize that because I know a lot of families in situations where you can't get away from your parents or, you know, your siblings or work or family. And so, my parents have set a really incredible example in that. And I will also say they don't meddle. You know, they never asked us when we were going to have more kids or when we were going to start having kids. They never ask us. You know, they rarely ask us any questions like that, which I know a lot of families, you get peppered with those at family holidays and vacations and, you know, when you're on the phone with your parents. And and my parents have always been really, really good in that. They never, they never meddle. They never, you know, they wait for us to tell them things, I suppose. And I'm very, very, very appreciative of that. And you know, like I said, they've set a great example for us. Yeah, that's awesome. Jesse, it has been very fun getting to know more about you and what makes you tick. That was the last question. Holy cow, that went by fast. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying these question and answer episodes. You know, we'll do them as mentioned every so often just because I think that it's really important. That is actually something that that I am very passionate about. And I kind of struggle with, to be quite honest, because we invite guests and they're the most fabulous guests and they have the most wisdom and their passion for our industry is, you know, bar none. And so I love getting to share them with you. But at the same time, I wish there was an audience because I want to know what people are wanting to know more about. And I want to know what questions people have because I want to answer the question. I don't want to talk to talk. I want to be a solutions-based person who is helping people, whether that's answering questions that they have or making them feel like they can relate to somebody because I'm going through the same problems that they are, you know, whatever that is, I love 
conversation and personal connection. So these episodes where I get to answer people's questions are very, very special to me because it really fulfills that need. So thank you guys for all of you who have asked these questions. We really appreciate it. We love getting to answer them. Hopefully as much as you enjoy listening to our answers. And with that, before you guys go, please do us a favor. Make sure to go give us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That makes a big difference here at Leaders of the West. It makes us easier to find when people search for us. So go rate, review, subscribe if you haven't already. But that five-star review, that is a really big deal. Thank you guys for being here. We so appreciate you. You are so valued. I cannot wait to see what you go take on this week. With that, we will see you here next week. If you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries, and you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.